and that we have the gift of eternal life he offers freely to us. We could never have or express enough thanks and gratitude to him for this gift. say thanks for the things he has done for me things so undeserved yet he gave to prove his love for me the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be. I say thanks for the things he has done for me, things so undeserved, yet he of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I have and ever hope to be Raise me to 
too would like to say to God be the glory for the many things he has done. I can tell you when I think about the times that I've been here, some of you have been here longer than I, but God has been so gracious, so kind, and so merciful towards us. It's just incredible. And I know that Dr. White and Pastor Holiday dropped a pretty big announcement in you this morning. And I'm sure sometimes it is a little challenging to think about how do you respond to these types of announcements. But I want to share with you, when I, my wife and I left Albuquerque several years ago, there was, a, there was an older lady, perhaps at that time, 75 years old, Sister Ordinelle Ingleton. And when we were leaving, that sister told me, and she was a praying sister in the church, you know, kind of like a Sister Richie kind of lady. But she told me, she says, I will pray for you and your family every day for the rest of my life. And I got to tell you, there are a couple times when I most fell over the bridge, and I think that lady's prayer kept me up on the bridge. So I think this is just a time for us to pray for the Holiday family as they go off to have an opportunity to make an impact where, they, where, where they're going. And also pray for God to continue to be so gracious to us. He has been so gracious and kind. So I know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay for the holidays. It's going to be okay for abundant life. He not only leaves as a principal, he leaves as a friend, him and his wife. He leaves as a pastor. He leaves as someone who has been imprinting, making impressions upon our young people. And all of that is good. And I give God glory for what he's done already. And I'm just always excited about what God is going to do in the future. I think God makes his impressions in the turns. And when there are transitions, God shows up. And so often, he shows out. We'll begin our radio welcome. It is my privilege to welcome those of you that are listening to us by radio today or viewing us on the television to the service that's already in, pro in progress at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. As Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have the privilege every week to think about the Creation Week. And we stop in Fridays to recognize them that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and he rested on the seventh day. But we also have the privilege to recognize that Jesus died and a Friday, laid in the grave Sabbath morning. But then came Sunday, and he arose. Our writer in our church tells us that it would do us well to take a thoughtful hour every day to reflect upon the scenes of the cross. And so as many of you in the Christian world stop this week, which you call Holy Week, to recognize the debt, the burial, but most importantly, the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we join you as well. Our speaker today is our principal, our associate pastor, our friend, our impressioner, uh, one who makes impressions upon our children, and it is just a privilege for us to have the opportunity to hear him speak today from a subject entitled Easter, Easter People. I ask your prayers with him as Pastor Holiday, Principal Holiday, stands before you today and leads you through the throne of God. Please pray with him. And after the next special music by my wife, Robin Brown, the next voice that you will hear is that of our associate pastor, Principal Holiday. What does the cross of Jesus mean? It's more than songs we sing. Much more than the emblem on a chain. But it means I am free, yeah. 
from the chains of slavery and the blood he shed won't let my sins remain upon the cross my savior died the lamb was crucified showed us love that this world had never known oh what love so divine yeah true a love you never find so that we might live love came and died alone well the cross will always represent the love God has for me when the Lord of glory heaven sent gave all on Calvary he did it just for me just for me hallelujah Jesus came and did it just for me. Well, the cross will always represent the love God has for me. When the Lord of glory heaven sent, gave all on Calvary, he did it just for me. Just for me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus came and did it just for me. Just for me. Just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me, just for me, just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me, but he did it for each of us, so sing with me. Just for me, just for me, Jesus came and did it. Jesus came and did it just for me, just for me, just for me. came and did it just for me. Jesus came and did it. Jesus came and did it just for me. Jesus did it just for me. Sometimes you don't mind if we be selfish sometimes. Huh? You know, 
he did it just for me. to try and attempt to speak to you this morning without tears. I said, I'm going to try. I didn't say it's going to happen. So I look out and see some of the young people. kids oh y'all just bear with me actually uh, forgive me please but bear with me you don't know what it means when a child calls your house and their parents don't even know they're calling you just to ask for some advice to share something with you that they don't even want you to tell their parents. Oh, that means a lot. The children. If you would bow your heads with me just where you are, let me ask God to take control. Oh, most gracious Father in heaven, we come on such an occasion in our humanistic form. Father, for I'm just a sinner that you have allowed to stand in the throne. Uh, Father, remove me for just this moment uh, that a soul may be saved because of your will, because of your doing. And now, Lord, I stretch forth my hands to thee, and no other help do I know. And if thy will withdraw thy hand from me, O oh Lord, where in this world will I go? We count it a blessing and a privilege to stand before you. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Uh, this morning, this morning, you all read in the book of Matthew. I won't read it again, but I want to share with you that this morning we will be dealing with a lot of text, amen? So I'm going to try and take my time and just stop for a moment and make sure you get the text. When I pause, I want you to write it down. Go home and study it. Give it some thought. Ponder over it. Uh, this morning, I want to speak to you on a subject entitled Easter People. Easter People. I don't know about you, but when I think of Easter, I don't necessarily think about white patent leather shoes from Payless. <laughs> Let me make it plain to you. Let me first share with you just a bit of research on Easter. 
I know many of you already are familiar with some of the research on Easter and how it came to be. This holiday that's so traditionalized and many people thank God for Christians and our perspective on Easter and I pray that it is the right perspective. Uh, but when we think of Easter, we think of the Easter Bunny. Is that right? Oh, not you all. Nobody here went and bought any Easter eggs this weekend. I understand. But let me share with you some research. The celebration itself is based on the Jewish Passover, the Jewish holiday that celebrates the biblical story of the exodus from Egypt. Now the name Passover comes from the 10th plague in which God killed the firstborn sons of the Egyptians but passed over the Hebrews considered sort of proto-Jewish people. Now, this Easter bunny, which originally, now get this. I know some of y'all are going to raise a little eyebrow here, but originally an ancient African symbol from Kemet. Oh. The hare jumps and leaps upwards. The Easter Bonnie, Lord, was, was brought to the America by the Pennsylvania Dutch. Have mercy. Are you listening? Because the hares are so fertile, they were thought to be a symbol of fertility or new life in the springtime. Listen at all this history which has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But you need to hear it. Just listen at this, how, it oper how they operate here. The Easter egg is also a fertility symbol in many cultures. The question is, where does it come from? In ancient African culture, there are several birds that can fit in this picture. Horus, the hawk. Phoenix, that died and rose from his own ashes. In the European lore, around Easter there is no bird, so that the suggestion is that the Easter bunny Lay an egg, which we know is ridiculous. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, parents, how can you tell your child that an Easter bunny lays an egg? I want the kids out there to say, mm, you know, I didn't think about that. Listen at how ridiculous that is. The colors and the symbols of the Easter egg are all significant. Red symbolizes the blood of Jesus. Somebody help me. Yellow symbolizes the sun. Blue stands for the color of the sky, and green is the color of life. The Easter egg hunt is based on the fact that children told Aset, which is Isis, where to find the body of Osiris. Y'all need to go study. Listen now, listen. So that children continue to hunt for Osar, symbolically, hot cross bonds are originally honored in Germanic goddess of the springtime and finally come to represent the cross on Mount Calvary. Now, this Easter matter is so much associated with clothing. Have mercy. Tell you a quick story in another life before I became a principal. I used to be a manager in a Payless shoe store. Don't worry, we're going to get to the Bible for some of you all that's thinking. It's here. I'll make sure the Bible is, is, is here. But I have to, you know, tell you some things. I remember being a manager in a Payless shoe store. Yes, I did. Five years. I remember the way they communicated during that time was mostly through the cash register. When you walked in in the morning, any communication that took place was done through the cash register. And so you would come in and you would turn up. The, I see somebody nodding their head. We had any retail managers in the house? Am I telling the truth? The cash register is how we communicated. So the, so the, the, the supervisors from afar communicated through the cash register. You come in, you hit the cash register, and it would tell you certain things. I would never forget that at least a month before Easter, the cash register would talk to me. It would make me know, make sure that you put all the shoes, eye level, all the patent leather shoes, white, 
eye level. All the black shoes, eye level. Make sure they're there. Because on Easter, on that Saturday, we're going to sell more than you can imagine. And I'll never forget this. Now, if you're looking at me wondering, where was I during that time? Okay, there was another phase of my life where before I came back into the church. <laughs> Got to help y'all, you know. Because I don't want you to sit there like, well, wait a minute. He celebrates the Sabbath. Well, how? Okay. All right. We, we, we're together? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go quick. We're going to get to the Bible. All right. So with this story, so they tell me this is when it happened. So I promise you, I submit to you that during this time on Saturday evening, Saturday morning, there would be a line at the door and the people would be lined up and we would be standing there and I was pretty much the fastest on the cash register and I'd be like this and I'd be hitting and I'd have somebody standing over there and somebody boxing and we'd be just going and hitting it, just going, just going and just going. Smiling, because I get a little commission. <laughs> you just going, and you just going. And the patent leather shoes just coming. Patent leather shoes just coming. Patent leather shoes, patent leather, white, black, patent leather, patent leather, patent leather. And I'm thinking, man, there are going to be some people who are going to set foot in church for the first time in a whole year. Easter people. Let me get to the word of God. Listen, I will take up the story where Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he is asking the disciples to sit. Watch while I pray. Jesus is praying. But the willingness of Peter and the two sons of Zebedee is overpowered by the flesh. Their spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Their spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? So it is. They are asleep and not watching as Jesus instructed them to do. Let's begin here. Let's read Matthew. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to read as you're looking because I have a lot of information that I want to make sure we stick to the Bible. And as I start with the story here, we're going to start with, with the, uh, the betrayal and the arrest uh, in Gethsemane. Now, we're going to deal with Matthew. We're going to deal with the story, but I'm going to be going back and forth and me going to some other, some other text in the Bible. So here, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayal had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss... He is the one, have mercy, plotting to do Jesus some injustice and actually coming up to him and saying, whomever I kiss, don't you think your enemies will kiss you? Don't think they won't. One, and, and it sees him immediately. He went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, basically, he said, why don't you go and do what you came here to do? Really, that's basically what he said, because I know what you came here to do. Go ahead and get it over with. But he said, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid his hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your swords in his place. For all who take the sword will perish by the what? By the sword. Will perish. Now, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Have mercy. How then could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? Have mercy. Now, let's go over to verse 59. Verse 59 says, now the chief priest, right over, just go over to your right. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the councils sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, but at least two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Have mercy. 
And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. Do you know sometimes when they're coming at you, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Just hold your tongue, which is the most dangerous part of our body. Would you agree? But sometimes just be quiet. Be silent. And he said, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now go over to 27, chapter 27, and look at verse 11. Chapter 27, when you have it, say amen. amen. Just, just stay with me. We want to make sure we get the word in. Chapter 27. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered, Nothing. Nothing. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Listen, people, do you not hear how many times they talk about you? Do you not hear that? Do you not know how often they talk about you? What are you going to do about it? Chapter 27, verse 27 through 35. Go over there with me. We're going to be finished with this one in a minute. Go over there with me. 27 through 35. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. While they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him. Did you hear what I said? They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on his head. And, they, and when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and laid him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by, the name, uh, by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when, you know, the only black person they show. That's a little commercial. It's truth. And when they had come to a place called Galgotha, that is to say place of skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Now, we move to Luke 23. Go over to Luke 23. Luke 23, are you there? Matthew, Mark, what's next? Luke 23. Let's go to Luke 23. That's right, you're going to say, okay, you're going to get some word today. Luke 23. Verse 34, Luke 23 and 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Hence is the first point in the sermon. In this Easter people's message, the first thing that we need to leave here recognizing, not just hearing an Easter sermon, but not being able to enmesh that into your life, your daily life. The first message and the first, the first ideology, the first example that Jesus gave was that of teaching forgiveness. Did you hear what I said? Forgiveness. Jesus gave us the first lesson on forgiveness in Matthew 6 12 for us all debts forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors 
Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus admonishes to us, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, what did I say? That conjunction, but, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Recognize, if you're sitting next to someone and you got a problem with them, Easter people. Forgiveness, as difficult as it may be, it must be exercised in our daily lives. And I, I'm often behooved and amazed, and I got to be careful when I say this, because I don't want to seem biased, but I've been in situations where I've actually heard people say, and particularly, have mercy, I'm going to get in trouble. Help me, Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard, you can say who they are. I just don't like her. Well, why? I don't know. I just don't like her. Are you familiar with that? I heard somebody say guilty. I just don't like her. I don't like him. Why? Our God, on the cross that we're dealing with, Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. First lesson, we must understand forgiveness, and this forgiveness spirit must be accompanied with patience. When Peter said in Matthew 18 and 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter asked, up to seven times? No. What did Jesus say? Seventy times what? Seventy times what? So he said, just keep on forgiving. When they're hurting you, when they're talking about you, when they're putting you down, when they're talking about their fa your family, when they dismiss you in certain meetings as though your voice is not as important as the next voice, then he said, keep on forgiving them. No matter what he said, continue forgiving them. Seventy times seven. Our lack of forgiving, forgiving should not be centered around revenge. Romans 12, you want to write it down? Romans 12, 19 and 20. Romans 12, 19 and 20. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine said the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Did you hear me? If your enemy, Sister Bray, is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, Sister Brown, give him something to drink. Have mercy. Even if he just dissed you, even if he just talked about you, even if he wouldn't give you a ride and his car broke down and you came back and he was thirsty, give him a drink. Do not be overcome by evil, even if your enemy can't walk, carry him. Be not overcome by evil. Live by the golden rule. Do unto others. Do unto others. We're simply talking about the cross. You see, when you deal with this Easter, you got to deal with some basics and what it is we should be doing as Easter people. As Easter people. You don't have revenge in your heart. You remember the story. I don't want to say it. You know, I'm always conscious of my people and like to lift those up. But you remember the story, Diary of the... Have mercy. I can't even say it. Can't say it, Sister Ross, because I ain't about to call a man. You remember the story. When you look at that. Now, I feel sorry for the brother. When she pushed him over in the bathtub, the brother was. But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. It's not yours. It's not for you to get so upset and say, I'm going to get him. It's not for you to get so angry and say, I'll deal with that. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Matthew 27, 
43 reads our second point. Now, as we look at this, the first point. What was the first point, somebody? The teaching of forgiveness. The second point. The second point. Patience was one of them, but our second point is the sanctuary. Let's look at Matthew 27. Let's look at Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Verses 47 through 53. Matthew 27. Are you with me? I'm stay in the word here. Matthew 27. Verses 47 through 53. If you have it, say amen. amen. Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. When Jesus was speaking and they doing their dirt, they thought he was calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with, our, with sour wine and put it on his reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Oh, making mockery of our Savior. Amen. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Look at this. It says. The temple was torn into two from top to bottom. Did I say the second point was the sanctuary? The sanctuary. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into two, top to bottom. The temple had two veils of curtains, one in front of the holy place and the other separating the holy place from the most holy place. It was the second of these that was torn, demonstrating that God had opened up Access to himself through his son. Come on now, did I, did I tell you something? Because I know you, 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 know, you remember the, the diary of the mad and all that. I need you to remember this. Okay, let me, let, me, let me say that again. Demonstrating that God had opened up access to himself through his son. Only God could have torn the veil from the top. Did somebody hear me? Only God could have torn the veil from the top. Now, Exodus 25 and 89, and, and it, it speaks of, it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Amen? According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And wow, look at all the different requirements that, 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 that had to be dealt with with the tabernacle. Are you with me? All the different requirements. Now, here's where I'm going with that. Now, because you have access to God, let me share with you how it works. You know our God is an awesome God. I said he's an awesome God. You have access to him. You don't have to have so many cubic feet and so forth and so Come on, somebody help me. You know about the tabernacle, how it was built and the furnishings. Well, if I had to do that, I'd be in trouble. But now listen to me. Listen, this is how our God works. You know our God is an awesome God. We think about technology. Technology is, is great, but God is the creator of technology. God is technology. God is the creator, the originator of technology. Technology always helps us to make our life easier, even though even through the cross. Let me show you something, because what I want to submit to you and share with you is that, 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 that Christ and God was dealing with technology way before we got an iPad and an iPhone. I'm going to tell you how. Way before that. I'm going to show you how. Technology, because it makes your life easier. It makes you be, uh, you're in a position to do things faster. We can fly now. You know, back in the day, you, 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 you didn't have, when you didn't have the planes and they were trying to uh, uh, create the planes and we were walking in the buggies and so forth and so on, you know. So technology makes it easier. So let me tell you, though, how my God and your God has been dealing with technology long before we even thought of an iPad or an iPhone or so forth and so on or texting. Technology enhances the life and makes things easier. Remember when you had uh, to press your clothes uh, with a cast iron? Come on, somebody help me. This is for the old folks, the young folks. Y'all just kind of bear with me. 
Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. When you had to press your clothes with a cast iron. I'm getting back to how Jesus used technology. Just stay with me. When you have to press your clothes with a cast iron, you know the iron, it was kind of heavy. And you used to take that iron and put it on the fire. Come on, now I used to do it. I know I look young, but I'm a little old. You used to take the iron, put it on the fire, and then you would take that iron, put it on the fire, then you would iron your clothes. Now, if some of us wasn't so fortunate, some of us had to actually take the clothes, fold them up, put them under the mattress, and sleep on them. Is somebody with me? Is somebody with me? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. So that's, that's what we're talking about, technology and how God used to do it. Watch this. Now, what we used to do, you remember the time when, when you used to have to do that? And you, 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 you remember the time when, uh, 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 before there were so many uh, grocery stores, come on, somebody help me, when there were so many grocery stores and you needed to have your vegetables, and there were no vegetables, you know, right now we can deal with the bag. People had to plant their vegetables. Come on, somebody help me now, the gardeners. People had to plant at a certain time. Okay, we had to toil. People had to toil in a certain manner. Water had to be given to the plants. Not too much, not too less. Before the technology, listen to me now. Some vegetation, uh, we, had to, uh, we had to set uh, plants, some plants, a certain distance from one another. Come on, somebody help me. Poor children, they don't know what I'm talking about. I know y'all just sit and y'all just talk to your folk when you get home. They don't know what I'm talking about. So there was a certain distance you had to plant some of them, uh, some of the vegetation, you know. You had to do certain things like that. Now, and, and, then, and then even when you planted, then you had to cook the vegetables. Somebody help me. You had to cook the vegetables. Then you had to, let's deal with the greens. You had to pick the greens. Not only did you have to pick them outside, you had to come inside and pick the greens. Somebody help me. Picking. Kids, talk to your parents. Now, when you're picking greens, what you do is, there's a certain way you hold them, and you t uh, have mercy now. There's a certain way you, you hold them, and you tear the leaves off them. Okay? You tear the leaves off them, and, and you're picking greens. And they don't know nothing about that, because now you can go into the store, and you can buy a bag of collard greens already cut up. So they don't know what I'm talking about. But we're getting back. We're going to tell you what, where we're going with this. Now, so you got to cut up the greens. And then I remember Pastor Rock even shared with me once, and oh my Lord, he's going to know how old he is when I tell y'all this. He even shared with me once. Pastor Rock actually had the experience of whereby I go and crank up a car uh, with a key. Pastor Rock had the experience of winding up a car. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Just wait. So, so, no longer do we have to heat up the iron. No longer do we need to sleep on the clothes, grow our own food, or even uh, 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 wind the car. No longer do we have to kill. Come on now, I want you to work with me. Kill an animal at the door of the tabernacle. No longer. No longer do we have to sprinkle the blood all around the altar. No longer. Because God had technology happening long before we thought about it. No longer do we have to bring a young bull without blemish as a, as a sin offering than having the priest to, 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 to dip his fingers in the blood and to sprinkle some on the blood, seven, uh, uh, some on the altar seven times before the Lord. No longer. My God had technology long before we were doing the internet. No longer do we have to bring a female lamb or a kid of a goat as a sin offering. No longer. But our God has afforded us access to him. For he is the lamb. For he is worthy. My Bible says in Revelation 5, 12, worthy, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor Glory and blessing. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's omnipotent. He is omnipotent. He is worthy. He is magnificent. I'm talking about the God I serve. I don't know the one you serve, but the one I serve make me do this. The one I serve make me raise my hand. The one I serve make me say, weeping may endure for a night, but, but tomorrow, 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 or oh, a better day is coming. Have mercy. I'm talking about the God I serve. I'm just talking about the one I serve. Get some of him. Get some of him. Point three. Point three. This is our point three. The Sabbath doctrine. Let's read Matthew 28. Turn with me to Matthew 28. 
Matthew 28. Matthew, what, what, what chapter? 28. Matthew 28, verse 62. Matthew 28, 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27 in verse 62. 27 in verse 62. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation. Come on, somebody. The day of preparation. The chief priest and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise, calling my God and your God a deceiver. After that deceiver said, after three days, I will wise. Therefore, command the tomb be made secure until the third day. Listen, you can put everything you want on the tomb. You can put all the steel on the tomb. You can go get all the steel makers. You can get all the steel you want. You can put it on the tomb. You can sit by the tomb. You can watch the tomb. You can go and talk to the best, best steel makers in the world with the tomb. But I trust and tell you that by evidence, the tomb will be moved and my God will rise. But they said, listen to what they're saying. After three days in rise, therefore, command the tomb be made secure until the third day. Lest his disciples come by night hmm, and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Have mercy. They're trying to strategize like some of us do on the job. Let's make sure that the tomb don't move because we don't want to win the confidence or have him win the confidence of the people by recognizing that the tomb was moved. So we're going to have a meeting before the meeting. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Have a meeting before the meeting. But look at what it says here. Look at what it says here. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know. How? So they went and made the tomb secure. Did they make it secure? Oh, you can't make that tomb secure. So uh, make it as secure. Sealing the stone and setting the guard. Have mercy. Our third point is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is, is important. Even during Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus kept the Sabbath. Did y'all hear what I said? Even during his death and resurrection, he kept the Sabbath. Look at Luke. Turn with me to Luke. We're going to give you a little Bible. Turn with me to Luke. Turn with me to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 23, what did I say? 23, 56, verse 56. Luke 23, let me start with verse 53. Let me start with verse 53. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Have mercy. Preparation. Preparation day. Even during the resurrection, even during his death, there was preparation. God, Jesus celebrated the Sabbath. When he went in the synagogue, he celebrated the Sabbath. I can't say that enough because some of us believe that, well, I don't quite celebrate that day. Have mercy. Who am I to judge? But our God says, and the Bible says, the complete law, all the law must be dealt with, must be dealt with. Let me bring it to a close that the pianist would come play for me. The, the fourth point, resurrection, a rising from the dead. The fourth point, resurrection, a rising from the dead. A rising from the dead. A rebirth, born again. Can a man or a woman return from the womb? Can a man or a woman return from the womb? No, only through the Father. Have mercy. 
Have mercy. You must be born again. Jesus will return. Jesus will return. Was he resurrected? Is he alive? Will he return? Jesus will return. Matthew 24 and 3 reads. Let me read this to you. Matthew 24 and 3. I'm going to go fast on this one. 24 and 3 reads. Matthew 24 and verse 3 reads. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of your end of the age? Six, in verse six reads, and you will hear of what wars? Do we hear of wars and rumors of wars? Is not the Bible the truth? We will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And what does it say in 1 Thessalonians? Somebody turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 and it says, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 and it reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an awe, oh, of a what? Archangel. Of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. You know what? Uh, that's selfish. But if I die in Christ, I get privilege. I will rise first. Is that all right? The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. You know what? When I go see uh, Sister uh, Cisco, you know what she tell me? Same thing she tells some of y'all. I'm not going to die. Did she ever tell you that? Sister Cisco says she's not going to die. She says she's going to get caught up. For those who don't know her, she's over 100 years old. She says she's going to get caught up. But you know when you listen to her, she has truth. Because the word of God says, if you are, it says, then we who are alive. That means when he comes, will there be some people alive? Then when we are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In our last point, our last point, salvation. I dare not leave this place without speaking of the commission of the church and that is salvation the great commission salvation Jesus died that we may have eternal life without all the creativity dealing with the tabernacle and others that I know we couldn't handle have mercy <clears throat> but salvation is offered to every man woman and child in the book of Luke 19 and 10, Matthew, Mark, in the book of Luke 19 and 10, turn with me. The book of Luke. The book of Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to do what? Save. To seek and to do what? Save. And to save that which was lost. Were you not lost? Yeah. Were you not lost? Yeah. The man has come. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Salvation is free to all. Are you with me, church? Salvation is free to all. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.
as they pierced our Jesus in the side and put thorns on his head. He could have called archangels and to cause everyone around him to fall dead. But if he had done that, where would I be? If he had done that, where would you be? Yet he prayed and said, this cup is so heavy. Remove it from me if it be your will. But if it was removed, where would I be? Where would you be? This time I'm going to ask that we will bow our heads. And I'm going to pray and ask that if there's someone out there who on this day recognizes the importance of what Jesus has done for him or her, and if you want to be a part of this salvation that Jesus has to offer, don't wait till it's too late. Don't think that you have to be perfect to come, for this is a hospital for the sick. You are in the right place. If you want salvation, you need to walk down the aisle right now. If you need somebody to bring you down the aisle, you need to grab a hand and you need to walk with them. If they just need someone to walk with them. But salvation is offered right now at the throne. You may not get this chance again. Many times we say, I'll do it later. I submit to you there may not be a later. I admonish to you there may not be a later. I convey to you there may not be a later. If you want the salvation that Jesus has to offer, please come down. Pray church. Pray church. Please come down. Pray church. Father, there's someone there's someone out there that needs a closer walk with you. Have mercy. Keep praying, church. There's someone out there that needs a closer walk with Jesus. This closer walk can be even through Bible studies. If you want to have Bible studies, please raise your hand. If you want Bible studies, please raise your hand. If you want a closer walk with Jesus and want Bible studies, please raise your hand. That's all right. Keep praying, church. Satan doesn't want them to come closer to God. You know that. Oh, he's fighting every bit of that. Let us pray, Father in heaven, we come. We thank you for your many blessings. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross. Dear God, we pray. Uh, that Easter to us would be a time that we reflect on the cross. We reflect on salvation. We reflect on an opportunity, a chance to go home with our Savior. Not a time just to dress up and come into the church and say what kind of Easter weekend we had. But did we have a closer walk with Jesus? Father, we need you this morning. Now we pray that you will bless those under the umbrella of my voice. And we pray that when you come again, that we all may be found in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. Amen and amen. Principal Holiday for the word today.
Most importantly, I want to thank Jesus. As a father of teenagers, I get to understand now what it means to love. When your directions are not always followed, when your actions and your sacrifices aren't always appreciated, Amen. and still to love. You think about the word that Principal Holiday shared with us, and you think about what this whole period of time that we're reflecting on, it really is about a lot of suffering. Suffering on the cross. But you know, the only reason why God would put himself and his son through that type of suffering is just because he loves us. Amen. I mean, it, it, is, it is a kind of love that we can't even phantom, right? It is a kind of love. And even his resurrection, he could not stay in the grave. Hmm. He loves us too much. And it is that same God who said, build me a tabernacle that I may dwell among you. He raised from the grave so he can live within our hearts. And there are a lot of 